Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Tomorrow is opening day. This morning, then I have a great hunt. Deer didn't move like usual. We just got set up in the middle of this bedding thicket. Oh, it's saving this spot from the rut. It's a nice, I think it's a nice buck. It's a 170. That was money. I think it's down right over there. Woo! Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy. Baller rut. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Coming in your ear holes. And you guys did it. You made it another week to come back and listen to the show. Appreciate you being here. Hopefully I can fill your ear holes to the best of my ability. This week we got Bradley Collins on, and we're talking a little bit of mobile hunting, um, a little bit of kayak hunting, and a little bit of transition, his hunting transitions over the last three year, few years. We had Bradley on maybe three years ago, and he had just killed his first good buck, um, and we kind of had him on just talk about his hunting season, more of a, a BS friendship podcast. Homie actually went out there and uh, did it in person at his home, and uh, they met up out there and recorded a podcast. But over the past few years, Bradley's been finding extreme success with mobile hunting and kayak hunting and killing some really, really solid deer over the past few years. Um, so I want to have him on and see what his light switch moment was where he went from you know, kind of struggling to kill, you know, high, high class deer to killing some really, really solid bucks over the last few years and, and what that transition looked like for him. But before that, let's get into the people that make this possible. Starting off with Exodus Outdoor Gear. 
Guys, you know Exodus. I've said it for the last five and a half years. Well, they finally gave me a code that I can give to everybody. This is an exclusive code just for my podcast. If you use this, you support me and my brand, and I cannot thank you enough. And it's saving you a boatload of money as well. So it's code W, capital WL. That's it. WL, no spaces, both capital. Um, real simple for you guys. That works on anything on their website. Um, uh, just for an example, if you if you were to buy a rival right now, um, it would bring that down to one thirty four twenty five. It would save you forty four dollars and seventy five cents if you guys use that code. So it's not a ten percent off code, guys. This is a really really good code, um, and it can save you a buttload of money if you want to buy something from Exodus. This goes for their arrows, their cams, the rival, the render, their full cam package with the security package. Um, anything that you can get on their website, use that code WL. Um, as for the Exodus update, my mobile cams are out and running, and you guys know that I put one on that four-wheeler trail that was actually on the property that I could hunt, but the other property club owner just decided that that they could use that trail and they've been using it for years heavy heavy traffic here recently um i know it's mushroom season and people are out riding side by sides it's nice weather be interesting to see when deer season comes what the the pressure is like but there's extremely high pressure in that woods with uh with view with uh you know side by sides and and four wheelers so that's great intel to have a lot of people out there walking around um so during the summer, I don't know if I'll expect more of that. I'm going to continue to run a cam there for a while and to collect that data, but just see. And then I also just put a, a cam up on my urban piece. I found a good scrape. Um, it's a summertime scrape, good-looking branch on it, and uh, it's an area that I've never ran a cam before. Put another solar panel up, and the best thing about it is, that, you know, if that cam's in the money spot, I don't ever have to go back there now. I get the pictures. I got the SP18 solar panel running, and I don't have to go in there and mess with it at all. Um, so that's what my cams are doing right now. I will gradually be getting more and more out, especially with these solar panels, not having to do that battery switch um, before season. I will definitely be running some more cams earlier in the year um, and uh, excited to get the intel from that. If you guys didn't know, I do have a Patreon um, and if you guys are looking to get to know a little bit about me more, about the some of my regular guests, um, I have been releasing Patreon podcasts on there, and they're kind of more of an in-depth of just stuff that I want to talk about. Maybe hunting-related, maybe life-related, maybe dad-related. Um, but I just, I'm going to release a, a new one this week with uh, Mike Lemansky and Garrett um, from Last Breath. And, man, it was a really good chat. We talked about one thing that we learned about life and one thing that we learned about hunting that we wish we would have learned earlier. Um, and it was a really good chat amongst friends and it's a, it's a really good podcast to listen to if you, if you get the chance and join that Patreon. Um, but without further ado, let's get into the show. All right. We got Bradley Collins on the line. How's it going tonight, brother? It is, uh, chaotic as always around here. Well, I appreciate you making it happen. I know you got kids and chickens and dogs and new kittens, it sounds like. So you got a lot yeah. lot going on down there. But It is rough down here, man. Yeah, appreciate you making time to come on the show. Um, I said in the intro, um, you know, we'd podcast with you a couple years ago, maybe like two or three. 
Oh, 2019, I think it was. Yeah, 2019, and you've really year I shot that big deer. Yeah, and you really, uh, you've really stepped up your game over the past few years and found a lot of success. And uh, we started chatting again, so I wanted to have you on the show again, um, and uh, and hear about your transition, um, through hunting the last couple of years and and how you've been finding success and getting into the mobile game and stuff. But before that, do a quick introduction of uh, who you are and kind of what you do. Yeah, uh, my name is Brad Collins. I uh, originally grew up in Western New York. Um, well, joined the army right out of high school. Uh, got bounced around and stuff like that. Got down here to uh, Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Uh, loved it. Absolutely loved it. It was it was like where I grew up in New York without as many rules. And um, I decided to uh, make this place my home. Met my wife down here. Uh, we currently live just a little bit west of Fort Campbell uh, on the Tennessee side. Uh, three kids. I've, as he said a minute ago, I got a million animals around here in the small homestead. And uh, I am a critical care paramedic. Uh, so I do to, to pay for my hunting addiction. Um, I guess that's really it. I, nice. Like uh, like trying to get cody into a saddle that's what my main, uh, <laughs> yeah i'm sure that a be a talk i had a pretty long talk about that um this weekend actually with a buddy of mine he was trying to convince me to get in there but i'm sure that'll be brought up in this podcast and we can dissect it um but yeah let's let's you know you came on the podcast you shot the first you know real real solid buck that year and then you continued to have really good success um kind of year after year after that um, so kind of from that first year, what was there, the major changes that you made, um, to find that success? Uh, so that year honestly was like, um, uh, it was kind of a fluke compared to, so I've always kind of been in the mobile game. I had a climber, we hunted nothing but public land growing up. And that was my first year hunting private land. And, uh, so I did that. I, I, and in saying so, I finally, for the first time in my life, decided I'm going to kill one deer and one deer only. Or I guess I had I had three of them I was going to kill. Um, and then uh, next year, I hunted the same property, and I passed uh, two deer specifically. I, I went after two deer. That was my game plan for that year. Um, two deer specifically that I passed would have been the biggest, well, uh, probably the second biggest I've ever killed. Obviously, that 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 big one uh the year before and when i say big one i mean 143 i'm not talking like uh mr freeze here but um still really solid deer so, that 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 buck you actually had velvet picks of and the whole nine yard that was like your yeah, first had, deer that you got trail cam pictures like, of and targeted that was really cool to follow yeah. it was uh it was awesome i, I mean I, I don't downplay that at all it was uh yeah if that that was an experience. Yeah, I remember the recovery still on the video. It was you were jacked. We were all jacked, man. We were so happy to see you succeed. I'm pretty sure finally. I was crying. Yeah, um, I was. Uh, I was stoked. I yeah. just. But so 2020, I ate tags, uh, waiting on two deer, and I really did like a lot of. Uh, I want to call it soul searching, but soul searching for lack of a better term, and uh, was basically like, yeah, no, this isn't me. Like this isn't what I enjoy. This isn't like, I want to go back to, uh, to being the, you know, the spike slayer that I was in my, my youth. And, um, 
went back and actually got, uh, I did a, a deer recovery with a guy. Uh, I got a phone call from a friend. I believe it was, it had to been 2020. Uh, phone call from a friend. He was like, Hey, I got a buddy just shot a giant buck down by your area. He needs help. I'm stuck at work. Can you go help him? And I was like, of course, man, that's like, you know, it, it's awesome. So I took off me and, uh, my wife's friend's kid ended up in a kayak at like 10 o'clock at night or a canoe at 10 o'clock at night going down this waterway. I've never been down before right around the corner from my house and, uh, popped up into this spot. We ended up recovering the steer. It was, it was super, you know, it, it was awesome. It was awesome to go with somebody else and recover a deer like that. And like, I don't have a lot of, uh, a lot of people down here that share that passion with me. And I mean, like, I got this video of this dude, like literally sliding in to grab this, this deer by the antlers. And then he fell backwards. Like it was just, it was awesome. But, um, from that moment on, I realized that there was a large portion of public land in my area that was, uh, water access only. It was landlocked by private land and the public sections of that was water. So I started looking for a kayak and actually got with Ben Harrison from Bohangley. And he had one that uh, him and Matt Powell used to do some some crazy public land adventures on. He was like, man, I'll give it to you. Like, he brought it down from Indiana. He was headed down to Tennessee um, to his parents' place. I went and I met his dad. We threw it on top of my minivan and drove it home. Uh, and I've been, I, I don't want to say primarily hunting out of that, but that has been my, uh, one of my main focuses for the last uh two, three seasons now is just, uh, I guess this will be the third season is going in on that specific waterway. And then I've kind of used it a couple different other areas to access deer. I didn't have, uh, didn't have a shot with before. Cause they were, A, I didn't know they were there and B, they were landlocked. Yeah. That's probably crazy. I've seen some of the videos, you know, you're sharing with me and you're paddling in with you just a headlight and yeah and freaking the water's all still and foggy and shit and cold out you like, guys messed me up so bad one year uh, it had to be that first year probably 2021 20, uh you guys did a podcast with somebody i don't even remember who it was but it was either you or homie said something about sharks yeah and that next morning i go in it's foggy as shit i got nothing but a red light on my head and and the whole ride in as I go, it's all like uh, just beavers slapping the water over and over again. Oh, nice. And as the season goes on, they they plug the locks up, so like the water level goes from, uh, you know, like like I don't even know how deep it is, probably twenty thirty feet, to down to about ten feet total. Oh, sorry, these stupid dogs have just found something. No, that's right. Um, so it goes down to about, about 10 to 12 feet at the deepest part. And I only know that because I was, I was literally paddling out. I felt like a weirdo. I, I got all my, my shit on and I'm, I'm paddling out of a morning hunt and this dude is crappie fishing. And he like, I just come out of the bushes, right? Dragging a kayak. <laughs> and he's like, oh, uh, hey. And I'm like, hey. I said, hey, uh, quick question. Like, how deep is it right here? He's like, oh, it's about 12 feet. I was like, all right, good to know. And I just kept on buzzing by him. <laughs> Like I had to imagine that dude. Yeah. That guy's like, whoa, what did I just see? Where it going on right now? Yeah, like where where did this guy come from? Just yeah. pops out of the bushes, face all painted up, you know, like I was ready to murder something. But uh yeah, it, it drops down. So 
like I said, I was going in that morning, the next morning, and I hit what I assumed to be a log, but it was enough where it stopped the kayak. Oh, God. <laughs> and I absolutely shit my pants. Like, I almost flipped it. I was freaking out. I was convinced that, like, an alligator or, uh, you know, a, a shark had got a hold of the kayak. I was going to die. <laughs> like, I had to park over for a minute and, like, catch my breath. Like, I was so, like. Yeah. Sounds and it like was some... all, I'm, I'm pretty sure you said it. I was that bastard. Yeah. Sounds like some Brian shit. Brian from yeah. the Snapchat group. I don't know if you ever listened to his podcast, but he got attacked by a possum and a coon and tracked <laughs> by a bobcat at night. He's got some wild stories. <laughs> but I do not want to yes. walk in the woods with that guy at night. But, right. But yeah, so you, you started heavily using the, the kayak, and then you also switched up and yeah, left the saddle and got or left the climber and got a saddle, correct? And, and so that stemmed off of that 2020 season. Um, I was hunting that private land and there was two or three spots where like there was literally one. It, so it, it's kind of a funky suburban piece, blah, blah, blah. I was hunting the property line um, and the deer would cross in front of me and then they would skirt off like 50 yards away and I'd never really have a shot. And there was this one funky little tree. And I was like, man, if I could get in that tree, like, I know I could kill these deer as they come out. And it never ended up happening. I ended up missing a, a really good eight point. Um, and it, it just, it, that whole season just kind of, it tore me up. Right. But so that next uh, spring, unfortunately, COVID happens. And uh, Uncle Joe Biden gave me a, a boatload of money because I got three kids. So I convinced my wife that I needed to take, you know, a portion of that and uh, turn it into a saddle and some sticks. And that nice. has absolutely forever changed the way I will hunt. Nice. Yeah, I know that. I know that you're a pretty big advocate in it. I was talking with a buddy of mine, Mike Lemansky. He's a pretty good advocate. At Garrett, yeah. he just switched over using one some. I have just never set in one, so I can't say if it's good or bad. Um but I know for you, you're kind of a, I could see it being real good for you. You know, you're kind of a smaller, squirrely guy, probably yeah, it swiggle like right up that boxes. thing. Yeah. And, you know, how, you know, uh, I know you have some. You know some, Mike does my bow work still, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, uh, you had some injuries, right? So how does the injuries work, um, with the saddle? Yeah. So, uh, in Germany, I got messed up pretty good. I messed up my shoulder and my back. Um, and with the saddle, so I, I was a stander, right? So I was the guy that like sitting down for a long period of time. Uh, I have, um, three bulge discs in my back and sitting down for a long period of time just sucks. Like long road trips. I got to stop, like not cause I want to pee, but because I need to stand up and walk around for a minute, stuff like that. And, uh, the saddle allows me to lean when I need to or stand when I need to. And I don't ever have to sit unless I want to. And with that saddle, I, I lean 98% of the time. Uh, I can go back to an all day sit. I have like way less movement because I used to sit, you know, when there wasn't anything going on or I presumed anything wasn't going on, I'd sit in my climber and, uh, you know, it, it, it is what it is, but now I can, stay up, stay alert. Um, and, and I'm not going to say it didn't come without some, some learning curves. And every day I try and learn a little bit more about it. But, um, uh, right now it is, 
a hundred percent the way I will be going in the woods forever. Nice. So you're, you know, you've got the mobile game down, you're coyote hunting, you're on, you're coyote, you're kayak hunting, you know, utilizing the kayak, you're on public, you're utilizing the saddle. Um, so let's get into that next buck that you shot, um, and kind of how it all fell together for you utilizing so, the gear. I don't know if you know the my 2022 buck was, uh, was not one of the bigger ones. It was, uh, I don't even know if it went like 80 inches, but it was, and I hate to say it was an accident, right? Because I'm not that guy and you know that. Um, but that buck I thought, or again, kayaked in, I had found this, this little ridge and I had talked to that dude. I, I ended up hunting that spot over and over again. Right. And I talked to that guy and he is the, uh, he grew up here and he has since moved like three hours away and he only comes here every now and then. So I'll text him if I'm ready to go in the woods or if he's, re- if he's at this point, it's to where he'll text me if he's coming down and, uh, we make sure we don't step on top of each other, obviously. Right. Yeah. So I was, I set up a truck camera in there during Turkey season and, uh, I'd started found some decent bucks. And I was hanging one morning and I look up and I could just see some antler coming through, uh, this little ridge. I said, I sit on like the edge of this like gully kind of thing. And, uh, I, I look up and I see antler and I'm like, holy crap, there's that eight point. He was in there. Like I checked my camera when I got up the tree that morning, he was in there like the four or five days before it's like April or not April, April, it's April now. Uh, it's, like, it's May. Jeez, dude. My brain is like <laughs> shot. I'm so torched. Um, it's, uh, it is October. I think like seven through the 11th, somewhere in there, that buck showed up every single morning. And I was like, this is it. He's coming through at nine o'clock nose to the ground. I'm like, there's a hot doe in the area. This is, or I don't even guess it was a hot doe at that point, but I had had like, uh, I had some mock stripes and stuff out. Um, you know, something's happening. It's got this dude every morning, nose on the ground, walking through that spot. And I'm like, I don't know if something came in early. I don't know what, but like, it's, it's time to be in the woods. This is where this deer wants to be. And this dude ends up, or I, I look up and I see antlers coming. I'm like, holy shit. So at that spot, uh, I can only shoot about 10 yards in front of me. And behind me, I can only shoot probably 20 to 25. So I'm just in this really thick little ball of crap. And they all use it as like a route. And uh, I look up and I catch some some bone moving. I'm like, oh, crap. I draw. And as soon as it steps into my shooting lane, I just let it rip. It was on a pretty good clip. I smack it. It turns and stops and looks at me. And I was like, oh, shit, that is not the buck I thought it was. <laughs> I've done uh, that. I've done so that I'm like, sure. I'm like, well, you know, whatever. And he ended up, that was super cool. He literally walked to the base of my tree and then like looked up at me like, what the hell was that? And then died. And at that point I had just transitioned back to, uh, fixed broadheads with the, I don't want to say ranch ferry off the deep end yet, but I went to a little bit heavier, a little bit higher FOC or shooting like 650 ish grains arrow. Um, and it was really cool to just see something react the way that, that Troy says it would, you know what I mean? Like yeah. the deer had no idea he was hit and, uh, he, he piled up like 10 yards behind me. Awesome experience. Put him in the kayak, drag him out. And then, um, that year, I guess I shot, I shot a bunch of does that year. I, I never shot another buck. Um, 
And then this year, uh, or the last season, I shot, uh, I shot, I ended up killing two bucks. Um, the first one, actually, neither of them were, uh, oh no, so back up. There we go. Now I know what you're asking me about. Uh, so that deer that I shot and didn't recover, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Okay. So, um, that was on a different piece of public. I didn't actually kayak into that one. Um, I went in on a, on a random November, uh, it's a, a November 14th. So we have this, this area we, we can hunt. It's a national wildlife refuge and every November 14th, it closes. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And I tested that limit and found out how much no ifs, ands, or buts was actually <laughs> true. So November 14th, last day on the, the refuge, uh, I went in, climbed a tree. Uh, it was a little spot. It's kind of this, like, uh, there's two bodies of water, and there's a finger I found in the middle of the two bodies of water. It creates, like, a peninsula. Well, they bed all the way on the backside of that peninsula, and then they end up walking down in front of you, and it's 30 yards wide. It's a bow hunter's dream. You know, there's water on either side. They have to walk through this 30-yard strip of grass. And uh, so I, I get up a tree, and uh, it's actually muzzleloader season. The last week, that you, you can only bow hunt all the way up until uh muzzleloader season we have like an early muzzleloader season comes in um normally around like the first weekend in november and so it's it's actually muzzleloader season i got all my orange and stuff on i get up and uh i look up and here comes four doe walking down the edge of the this path about to walk you know 10 yards in front of me i'm like sweet when they're a rip uh, at the second deer biggest one out of the group smoke her she piles up 30 yards so i, I had actually uh drug a drag line in with some doe estrus um from the way i came from when i walked in and so i hit this doe she runs off 30 yards she piles up on the other side of the water so i'm literally filming and i'm trying to get my camera to focus so i can watch this deer like essentially die right and i hear to my right uh something coming and I turn and look, and there's a good, like, 120-ish, probably, inch buck that is coming in, nose down on the drag line where it was, ready to go. And uh, he ends up stepping out. I, I, I shoot him at, you know, like, 25, 30 yards. I stopped him. Of course, I, like, completely forgot the camera existed because I wanted to kill this buck. I was so convinced he was dead. I called everybody. I called my grandpa. I called all my friends. I called my wife. Like, dude went down three separate times. Uh, within eyesight of me and i said some really stupid shit about uh, what did i say he was digging taters i remember in the i think the snapchat <laughs> i sent out and uh i, I felt obviously like an ass because long story short the next morning or so i i get kicked off the refuge that night i call the game warden at night you're supposed to call the game warden and say hey i need to spend extra time on it or whatever i called him he's like you got you've already been locked in the guy that like runs the refuge shuts the gates at at dark which i did not know um he's like you've been locked in i'm gonna call the guy uh you got until he gets to the gate and gets to you to get out or i'm gonna cite you for trespassing on federal land oh, i'm like oh shit <laughs> like so i'm like i got two deer down he's like and you better be at the truck when he gets there so my dad and my brother are there helping me we're tracking this buck. We finally say, fuck it. Like we can't keep going for this buck 
as much as it sucks, like I got to get this doe out. I don't want to waste that opportunity of a, a deer that's dead in front of me. So we drag her out. We get to the edge of the road. And the dude's like, look, man, I'm going to go back in in the morning. I'm going to look for you. And I was like, I appreciate it. So apparently he went like three hours looking for this deer. And I, and I really, I, I truly believe he did. He was sending me pictures of the blood trail the whole time, like different areas. And when I was looking, he's like, I think he's still running, man. I'm like, all right, cool. So I put that arrow, I only found half the arrow. Uh, I put that arrow in my dashboard. It's, I'm looking at it right now. And uh, flash forward to, to this year, um, I, I killed a really good buck with my wife on a, on a different spot. And then uh, this year, what I believe to be the same buck shows back up. Um, same spot, but the wind was different this year. So I was hunting the other side of the the 30 yard peninsula, if you will. And uh, he came in last light, 10 yards, November 7th, uh, stroked him. And I said uh, earlier in the, the hunt, I'd Snapchat some dudes. And I said, I would go swimming for a buck tonight. I'm not going to shoot a doe and go swimming. Cause like, I could just feel that they were going to end up in the water. Well, a couple of flash forward, a couple hours later, I walk up on this buck and I'm in like knee deep water. And I was like, I said, I'd go swimming for a buck. Like it was just, it was awesome. Yeah. That was cool. Cool pictures too on the recoveries. You know, if he wasn't yeah, he very wide, look- he wasn't very wide. It'd been hard to find that buck. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, luckily he was he was good and wide and um I, I showed a picture on the video that i posted on youtube of the spot that i believe that i hit him the year before and i tried to get the taxidermist to like to like incorporate that but it was a little bit too far for like a pedestal wouldn't made sense and it like so he said he wasn't sure if he could make it work and he ended up we just ended up doing like a a left turn, you know, semi upright. And it, I think it looks awesome, but he was, uh, the night I shot him at the base of his neck where the shoulders start, he had a 28 inch neck. And then yeah. right behind the skull, it was 24 inches. Like dude was rutted up and my taxidermist did an outstanding job making sure that that neck stayed the nice. way it should have been. Nice. That's cool. Well, like I said, you had a lot of success there, you know, going from kind of struggling to get that first buck. And then a couple of years, you know, you had the mishap of shooting one and losing it, which happened to everybody. But then the following year, you came back with two really solid bucks. Um, and you're mobile hunting. You're running cams as well. Are, are you running cams on these areas um, as well? And So the refuge you actually can't run cams on. Um, and I, I found that out because I literally was coming out of the woods from setting a cell cam. And uh, so it said that in the rules, it says you cannot leave anything on the refuge for more than 24 hours at a time. And I thought, well, surely cameras don't count, right? Like that means stands and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm coming out of the woods from setting a cell cam. And uh, the manager dude came up and he, he uh, recognized me. He's like, Hey, did you ever, you know, obviously you didn't find that buck or whatever. I said, yeah, I've been back in here looking, whatever. I uh, said, so that's where I come from right now. And he's like, oh, he said, oh, I'm just out patrolling for trail cameras. And me, I, like, so I had, I'd set it, uh, you know, probably two sticks up in the air. Like, you know, I wasn't trying to let anybody steal my cell cam. So um, I said, oh, what do you mean patrolling for cell cams? And you're trail cams. He's like, yeah, you can't have trail cams on this property. And I was like, 
well, I'll be damned, huh? I didn't, I didn't know that. Uh, <laughs> so I like, uh, you know, I, I boogied ass out of there and literally the next morning I got a picture of him driving by the cell camp. I had to go to work. So like, I wasn't going back out there to get it. Hmm. And, uh, but the other area, the area I kayak to actually, uh, here probably, I'll probably make one more run out there during turkey season. And that last run I make out there, I will hang a cell cam uh, in the one area. And I will let that, that way I don't have to kayak out there. The last couple of years I've kayaked out there like every couple months. And it's just, it's about a mile one direction. And yeah, when it's 90, lot. it is terrible. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot, man. Cell cams are king when you they're in a spot it's hard to check for sure. Yeah, and that spot's kind of funky. Uh, when the summer uh, summer, early fall foliage is in, there's no cell service in there. So, uh, you end up having to go in and check, but like on windy days, it'll like move just enough where pictures will get sent out. So you don't really miss out on a whole lot, but you need to get a booster. That's a, the, but, and then like all the trees in there are little as shit. So it's hard to like, get up one far enough to get a booster yeah i see what you're saying yeah it's tough when you get that summer foliage on that's something a lot of people don't think about when you're running the cams cell cams and um especially if like for me your solar panels don't work as well right you know your your cell cameras don't work as well so you just got to kind of be cognizant of that when you set up uh, but it, it surprises me how well those cell cams do even without direct sunlight or the um, so the solar panels do without direct sunlight. That was something that I didn't know a lot about until this year with the price of batteries. I invested in a bunch of those and solar stuff. Yeah. It's way worth it. It's a big investment right off the bat, but then you don't have to worry about batteries. I've had one out for oh, months and months and months and it's hundred percent battery still ticking, still rolling. Uh, it's just awesome to not even have to think about and, that's a, literally a camera yeah. that you hang and then you never go back to. You don't ever have to go back to that thing. Right. <laughs> it's crazy. I got um, I got one of those HME solar panels. Um, I got it for like 20 bucks on clearance at uh, Academy one day. And uh, I went and hung that on – I have two spy point cameras right now. We were actually just talking about this in the Snapchat group a minute ago. And uh, it wouldn't keep up, like if that makes any sense on like it, it seems like it doesn't charge fast enough with the the must, battery pack that was on it and i've seen a lot of people review it online that had the same issue with no, that must not specific. be a big enough cell so does it does it have an internal battery itself yeah does it? i think that's the main thing is you know to have the because there's some that just try to run the cell cam without an internal right. battery um, and then at, you know, at nighttime, you're back on your batteries. So right. you want to make sure that you have something that has a, you know, a battery that, that charges well. in the sun during the day and then can run you through the night. Because for hunters, you know, probably 90% of most people's pictures are when the sun's not out or when the sun's really right. low, one or the other, you know? Yeah, especially in the summer months. Yeah, so you definitely want your, your cams to be, you know, at at the best they can be during that time. And with with some of the solar panels out there, they struggle because they don't they either don't have enough big enough battery um, to store the power, or they they don't have a battery at all. And they just run direct solar to you know 
just hook it up, just like plug in. Um, but the ones the ones I'm running um, work really well. They so I've been talking to some people. The a mounting Exodus has a decent mounting system for them, but it'd be nice if someone came out with a real simple, effective solar mounter where you could angle the solar panel up and right. and uh, make it pretty cost effective for something that doesn't screw into the tree. Because I know a lot of uh, pieces of ground, they don't want you to screw into anything. And it sounds like this place, they probably don't want you to screw. You can't even leave a cell or a cam for more than 24 hours. That's that's crazy. But I well, bet you the pressure is probably pretty low because of all the well, no, rules. And... If you wouldn't believe it, uh, COVID really murdered that spot. That's why I can't believe I, I found uh, two bucks of the caliber I found this year. Um, they... Uh, I've seen more out-of-state tags, and, and I, I hate to be this guy, but I blame the hunting public. They came up here and uh, did some public land stuff. Uh, just them and like Seek One did some some Tennessee stuff and stuff like that. So the the YouTube guys, the YouTube pressure is is has brought a lot of public land hunters to Tennessee, and and we've had this conversation before with our tag system you're stupid did not plan an out-of-state hunt to Tennessee, you know, getting for, it's like 350 or 360 bucks. You get two buck tags and three does a day while you're here. Yeah, I know. That's nuts. Like you might as well come on down. Like, yeah. and there's, there's, I'm within like, uh, I think it's like a hundred thousand acres of, uh, you know, public land which is crazy in, in the middle of the United States. Like, you know, out West guys talk about all the time. Oh, I got, you know, that, that amount of acres on one area. But like you start talking Eastern, uh, Southeastern United States, like it, yeah. you, you don't see those numbers or, or even up by y'all. Like y'all don't have those numbers. No, we um, don't have anything like that. A lot of our stuff's but, like, we have like 140s, two forties like a big one yeah like, yeah big one's crazy. like a thousand maybe you know that's like a big one 1100 um a lot of times you can't hunt like, half can, of it and that's that's what i was just gonna say like the thing that's killing me right now is the season dates down here are really stupid on the public land by us and like i said that one so the the national wildlife refuge uh you can only hunt that from opening to archery season. So the last weekend is September to November 14th. And then they shut that down. And then there's another piece. It's, uh, oh, I guess 10, 15 minutes down the road from me. It's actually closer than the refuge. Um, it has, uh, this weird duck season rule on the back end of it. So it's, uh, I, th- I want to say it's like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, something like that, that uh, you can only deer hunt on those days on that piece of property. <laughs> That's funny. Got fresh so sets like, all the time then. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, 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 it handicaps you a lot. And actually on, on that property, I, um, I hung a cell cam this year and I got, smasher really 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 good bucks on that one and uh they flood the area they have like cornfields and wheat and stuff they plant and then they flood those areas for the duck blinds and i was hunting other deer on other properties 
And when I finally got around to get ready to hunt those deer, uh, they had flooded the area. And I literally had to go out in knee deep water to climb the tree to get my cell cam. Oh shit. Yeah. That's so it was like yeah. something you learned yeah, just, real quick. <laughs> yeah. And I had no idea. Like I said, I, I've always hunted the other side of the road from that. Oh, the last couple of years I've hunted down there and I had no idea they flooded that, that field got flooded that far back, I guess is how I'll say that. But the whole woods all, all the way, almost to the road was completely flooded. Man. I was like, well, shit. Uh, but, so, and that's what I get. Like I was, I was hunting those other deer and. Yeah. It's hard to pick a, pick a buck sometimes when you got other stuff going on, but, uh, and that's my biggest issue right now is like, uh, you know, and we talk about this shit all the time, but like, I don't know which early season spot to go to because I have so many deer in so many early season spots. And then all of a sudden, like that November 14th date hits and I have nowhere to go because I've focused all on that early season deer. And now like this December, well, and it sucked. I bucked out uh, this year. I bucked out November 7th. So I completely stayed out of the woods the entire rut just to let cameras do and deer do what they wanted to do. And I now have so much intel from like November 1st to like December for the next year. Nice. But it really sucked for like three weeks. I just sat on my hands at the house in the middle of prime deer season because I was positive like a 300 inch deer was going to walk in front of me <laughs> and I was going to be like, uh, uh, what's that guy? The Prince of Prince of poachers. I was going to end up like that dude trying yeah. to stuff it in my, in my toolbox, in my truck or something. Yeah. It'd be, that's, that's the worst thing about bucking out and you're still running cams. And then of course there's a slammer that you, you find that's way bigger than what you shot already. And, right. But over the past years, you, you know, you transition, to hunt in public, you transitioned to saddle hunting. So what's some of the biggest takeaways that you learned that you think you've, uh, you know, that's bringing on the, the success? Uh, honestly, um, I guess probably the biggest one is, is, uh, trying different stuff, right? Like I very much hunted out of a climber, out of the same tree, out of the same spot every year all the time and had mediocre success and that was good enough for me. And then all of a sudden I, I branched out to, you know, uh, even before the saddle, I, I, I did the lock on thing on private land for a little bit. And then I branched out into, uh, you know, this, this hang and bang type stuff, uh, type hunting and, um, try and just, different areas and different tactics have proven to be my number one thing that has gave me success over the last two or three years. And just the fact that I didn't stick with, uh, you know, my, my traditional, the way I grew up hunting, right? Like you dad shot a buck in 1986 on this one trail on this spot we hunted and we'd all get in a fist fight over who got to go down that trail you know, at, at deer camp when I was a kid, like all the adults were like, oh, I'm hunting there in the morning. No, I'm hunting there in the morning. And it like, um, you know, that was the way it was. I, I had one tree on this property. And this year, that, that first buck I shot this year, prime example of that we were in a drought and I was in that tree. I was in the, what I called the killing tree. I killed more deer out of that tree than 
any other spot since I've been in Tennessee. And uh, I was up to Killing Tree, and I watched all the deer go out. The water had receded back so far. I'd never seen it back that far. All the deer walked out, and they skirted me by like 100 yards for two nights. I watched this happen, and I was like, I got to get in there. And once I finally made the I, I jumped the other side of the, the the ditch onto like where the edge of the water should have been i climbed up a tree i sat one night there uh and then i went and found this other tree and i went in actually that was the first time i went in with my wife and uh we climbed that tree and saw all sorts of deer and then uh one or two hunts later on that spot is when i ended up killing that first one nice yeah so getting out of your comfort zone you know, and yeah, trying, trying some new stuff really, you know, amped up the success. It's easy to get in a tradition of hunting, you know, and this is what I do. This is what I like to do and not trying anything. And that's kind of like me with the saddle. Uh, I like what I like and I'm not going to change, but I probably just need to set in someone's and just see how it feel, maybe shoot out of it, not put it off the table. But it's like I said, I, I like I like what I like and I haven't ever tried it. But the same thing with you, it could help me be a little bit more mobile. I feel like I'm very efficient in what I have right now being mobile. Right. Um, but trying new things is definitely going to help, help take advantage of different encounters you have. You're going to learn way more than you hunting that same spot over and over by you hunting yeah. a different area and seeing what the deer are doing there. This year I stretched myself out even further and, um, scouted three or four different pieces of public and, some you can only hunt in October and some they flood and some you can't hunt in November or you can only hunt a couple of weeks in November because the duck hunters are in there. And, um, but they all have promising spots and there's a spot like you're talking about where the water peninsulas are and, uh, mm-hmm. it's going right to ag. It's like a, that's like right. A, a, that's, that's how this is. It, it butts out into a bean field. Yeah, it's like a blinking sign that says set up right here in the rut and wait for the does to come out and see what pulls yep. with it. Um so that's probably a spot. It's about an hour away from home, but that's probably a spot. I get a wild hair. I'm going to go, ah, I'm going to go try that this evening just to see, you know, cuz you're going to learn so much by going down there and trying that. So, but you know, shout out to you for for trying something new and uh and staking with it and You've already had so much success. I know it's just going to continue because every year you hunt this stuff and this style, you're just going to get better and better and better. Right. Well, I mean, look, man, I, I know you had me on so we could talk about, uh, you know, gun hunting, private land over feeders. And I really appreciate it. We got to talk about some other different stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. That's, you know, that's a Tennessee way, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Well, yeah. No, it, and it's, we were kind of talking today, but like, uh, I, I don't know if I'd do it. Man, yeah. Like I, I obviously gun hunting. Like I've, I've made the decision. Uh, I took a gun twice this year with my wife. Uh, Cause it's kind of silly to sit there. Like, why would I bring a bow if she's bringing a gun kind of thing? Mm-hmm. And that's the first time I've really taken a, a, a gun specifically just a gun. Uh, since 2018, I think. And well, and there was another spot, I guess we even, we brushed over. I don't know if I had said anything to you, I had shot a buck, uh, really, really early season. I didn't recover it. Oh, really? No, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I, I shot what I thought was a really good, like 15 yards off the ground. Um, it was, it was like, I had like 30 minutes of light. 
my parents live right on that refuge that I was talking about, like the other side that I normally hunt. And I was like, hey, mom, will you watch the kids for an hour? Like while I run <laughs> in the woods and try and hunt? And she's like, yeah, sure. Perfect. And I literally like, like where the deer cross the creek to go up to my dad's house. Um, they, they normally end up there at night uh per trail cameras right and he owns like 20 acres or whatever and uh all his trail camera pictures were at night and i was like well, shit if i skirt the road jump across the creek and just go in there and sit down like something's gonna walk in front of me before it gets to the point where you know it's at night at my parents house and uh yeah i had a, a fawn in front of me for like 45 minutes at like 10 yards on the ground um, I didn't have not a camera with me, but my cell phone. And um, finally, this this buck come out like a good buck, and I'm sure it was half the size that I thought it was. But um, you know, I, I don't think he was anything over 120. But uh, yeah, I, I ended up taking a shot on him. I hit him. Uh, I don't want to say it was a frontal shot, but it was quartering two, a lot more quartering two than I would like it to be. And, uh, I, I stuffed the arrow up in him and I was, again, that was another shot where I was absolutely convinced I killed that deer. I, I backed out immediately after I shot him. Uh, I backed out and I went and got my brother and my dad. We waited till dark. We went back in. I searched, um, I want to say close to 18 miles per like, uh, Spartan Forge tracker um between three days looking for this buck and not a piece of hair not a drop of blood but he took my arrow with him buried all the way up to the fletches and uh you know i even contemplated shooting another deer last year after that first one because like i felt like i already filled my buck tag and then yeah you got a 130 at 10 yards it really makes your mind up for you yeah i got a buddy who did the same thing on the ground frontal quartering two shot and um they end up finding the deer dead, but it was a long time um, from when he had shot it that they found it, and it hadn't been dead very long. Um, so those frontal shots, I know a lot of people say it's super deadly shot, but it's it's a tough shot to make, man. Yeah, and and like I said, it wasn't like a so I, like I said, I got a shoulder, a bad shoulder, and and you know that I I send you the video when we're done. I drew and let down four times on this deer at fifteen yards, like on the ground which was absolutely yeah, incredible crazy. and the last time i held for like almost a minute and a half and i finally like it, my options were let down with him looking at me or just shooting and i should have uh, honestly i should have just let down but like uh i let it rip and i was i was very confident in my setup and and you know single bevel double or uh uh single bevel broadhead 150 grains 500 grain arrow should have just absolutely zipped through this deer and i don't know what i hit but it stopped the arrow and it had to be like i guess that offside shoulder yeah Come um in. but again like i'm i'm positive that deer died but at the same time should have been a a, a pass-through shot at least for the the way the arrow looked uh no blood no nothing like I said, we put, I want to say like 18 miles. And I like, I got, my, my wife does like uh, children's ministry stuff. And I got kids that like, were like, Hey, I'm kind of interested in hunting. I was like, I have a job for you, bro. Let's go. <laughs> Great search. Yeah. I, had, I had four or five kids down there. Like, uh, 
you know, looking with me. Just guys, that, kids that have never been in the woods, but like if you walk up on a dead deer, you're gonna know what a dead yeah, deer looks like. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Right. Uh, and we, kinda... yeah, we hands across America that shit for three days, <laughs> and never found him. And then I went back um, early, so like that was on the refuge. So it opens March 13th. And we were actually in Arizona for that. So March 20th, when we got back, I was like, babe, I'm gone. She's like, we just got back from vacation. I was like, yeah, but I have to go look for this buck. Like that all the grass is dead. All the shit's dead. Like I got to go look. And I put another probably six or seven miles in just looking for sheds and looking for this deer dead and never found him. So Damn. he's kind of like, uh, like, uh, and again, like if I, I don't think I could pick him out. If you put four deer in front of me or, or one deer in front of me, I couldn't tell you which deer it was, you know, that I shot. Yeah. But I'm going to go hunt that spot pretty hard this year and just see if there's one with, like, you know, a funky rack or something like they do when they, yeah. they've been wounded the year before. Yeah. Well, I hope you can and catch up is, to him, man. That'd be a good yeah, way to end know. the story for sure. That well, seems to be my thing. Wound him the year before and then kill him <laughs> the next year. <laughs> um, you had mentioned a couple of times that you, you had filmed some of your hunts, so – uh, let the people know where they can find some of your content and then we'll wrap this thing up. Yeah. So, uh, uh, I'm, I'm most, uh, most important or however you want to say that on TikTok. Um, at either way, all my stuff is BDS outdoors. So it's my, my three kids. It was going to be DBS to go with Delaney, Bradley, Sophie for my three kids. And then I realized it spelled out douchebags like DBs. <laughs> I was like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. Um, so I have a, a, a pretty small YouTube following and then uh, Instagram and Facebook as well at BDS outdoors. All right, man. Well, I'm excited to, continue our friendship and follow you through this season of uh, your mobile hunting and hopefully you can get on buck out before November again. Yeah. I like as much as I want to say, I want to do that. I don't ever want to buck out before <laughs> November. again. <laughs> it was so terrible, but uh, I guess if the opportunity presents itself, I will, I will, uh, it gave me a, a lot of opportunity to take my wife out. Uh, and she actually killed her first year last year. So nice. Uh, it gave me a lot of opportunity to do that where, but like now my daughter's eight now and uh, my son will be six come this year season. So he'll be able to start participating in the youth activities at Tennessee. And it, I'm, be I'm busy slowly as hell now. Yeah. I'm, I'm realizing my, my time alone in the woods is pretty much over. Yep. For sure. All right, brother. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, man. Thanks. Well, there you have it. Another week episode done. Appreciate you guys tuning in all the way to the end. Like always, always try to do the right thing. Try to leave a legacy. And White Tail Legacy is out. Until I'm coming in your ear holes next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Central Time. Thank you.